All right, here we go. We're going to start off with a survey, and I want everybody to participate. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, if you're watching on one of the sites or the venues, everybody's participate. So you're going to have to raise your hand on this, so make sure your hands are empty right now. I'm going to go through four choices, and you have to choose one of these things, okay? Everybody shake your heads like this, you understand? I'm going to go through four choices, and you got to choose one of them. I'm just going to let you know what the choices are, then the second time through, we're going to all vote. Everybody ready? Here we go. Here are the choices. Bengals, Rams, I don't care. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, those are the four things. All right, here we go. you got to choose. Ready? If you're for the Bengals, raise your hand. There you go. All right, all right. Here we go. Everybody raise your hand. All right. If you're for the Rams, raise your hand. Okay, there you go. If you don't care, raise your hand. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. Okay, (laughs) there you go. All right, there you go. So I don't care. The Packers, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, years ago in the mid-90s, I had a conversion experience. I used to be for the Dallas Cowboys. I came here. I converted to the green and gold. I converted. (laughs) They're not in it. You know, the most valuable player in the league is not in it. I don't care. Pastor Charles is from L.A. He cares, but I don't really care. I'm going to watch it tonight just for the commercials. How many of you agree with that right there? There you go. All right. Okay, just goofing with you guys. Just having fun. So um, when I pick up the Bible here at Blackhawk, that usually means... Okay, that's a sign that we're going to get serious now. He's going to launch into the message. Because here at Blackhawk Church, we believe that the Bible is uh, the inspired word of God. And here at Blackhawk Church, we try to live by the word of God, even though we don't follow it at Blackhawk Church. Oh, oh, what did you say? Yeah, you heard me right. We actually don't follow it. That is, we don't follow all the commands, do we? What's he talking about? Well, here's a command that none of us are following right now. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. I'm not doing that right now. I got two different kinds of material on, and I'm looking at the audience right now, and I'm thinking, yep, I'm seeing a lot of people that are breaking that command right now. Here's another command uh, that I broke last night. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. I broke that one last night so that I would look better for all of you guys. And there I got an applause from that. It's awesome. Here's one that Pastor Matt has broken. Do not put tattoo marks on yourselves. So he's got tattoos. You know what? When I was gone for six months, I decided when I came back, I wanted to look like Pastor Matt. So I went to a tattoo parlor, and I got a... I didn't get a tattoo! (laughs) If you think I got a tattoo, you don't actually know me very well. Pastor Matt, he's the cool guy. I'm not so much the cool guy. Now, some of you are saying, oh, this is a cheap trick right here at the beginning of the message. Pastor Chris, we know what you're doing. It's a little bit of a gimmick. All of those commands you put up there are from the Old Testament, and we don't follow the Old Testament anymore, Pastor Chris. We follow the New Testament. 
When Jesus came, he came and he kind of did away with all those laws. He abolished all those laws. Oh, really? Hmm. Well, that's not actually what Jesus says. Jesus said this. Do not think. Are you thinking this? Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He says, don't, don't, don't think now. Don't think that I've come to abolish those things. I didn't come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them. So, are you confused? My job today is to clarify and to help you not be so confused. Welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team, and it's great uh, to be here uh, today. And we have a lot to cover in today's talk. And I am super excited about uh, today's talk because we are continuing in our series that we're calling Becoming. It's uh, about who are the kind of people that we are becoming? And we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount for the next 11 weeks. This is the third in that 11-part series. And today, super exciting, we are getting into the body of the message of the Sermon on the Mount. Every sermon has at least three parts, an introduction, a body, and a conclusion. My introduction today was kind of that thing to try to get your attention about the laws. I'm like, well, that's confusing. Now I'm entering into the body of the sermon. My conclusion will be a story about my wife and I disobeying what Jesus actually said. That's at the end. Jesus' introduction, well, it took us two weeks to cover that. When he introduced the Sermon on the Mount, it's chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 16. And that is the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Pastor Charles did that. And then the conclusion of that is, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And then right after he finishes that, he gets into the body of the message. And it's a long section from 517 through 712. And I broke it up like this. Six lessons about the new law, three lessons about practicing righteousness, and some lessons for the kingdom living. And then he concludes with kind of a make a decision. He goes through different pairs, uh, two choices, two different gates you could go through, two different kinds of prophets, two different kinds of disciples, and two different kinds of builders. But today, we are here. We're entering into the body of the message. So, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Here we go. I'm super excited. I should, I should not be so excited. I'm starting to yell. Oh, yell. Sermon on the Mount. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. Here we go. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until 
heaven and earth disappear. Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Ooh, 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 ooh. Just like drop the mic. He makes two really super bold claims here. The first bold claim is in 517. 517 says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. This is, this, is a, this is Jesus on the side of the hill saying, I have come. This is a human being. I have come to fulfill the law and the prophets. You boom, boom. That's like, what? If you were listening to that, you're going like, what? Who is, whoa, who is this person? It's huge. People on the side of the hill, they knew exactly what the law of the prophets were. They, they knew that. But for us, today, in our world, many of us not familiar with, well, what, what is this term, the law of the prophets? What's he talking about? So in order to help us understand uh, kind of the, what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, I thought we would watch a little bit of a video from the Bible Project. Watch this. You're most likely familiar with the Ten Commandments in the Bible, stuff we generally take as good advice. Don't murder, don't steal, honor your parents, the list goes on. And those are just the first 10. There are actually a total of 613 commands, all given to ancient Israel, found in the first five books of the Bible, which in Hebrew are called the Torah. Now the word Torah is usually translated in English as the law, because it has all of these laws in it. And as you read through them, you wonder, am I supposed to obey some of these, all of these? I mean, what's the purpose of the law? Well, that translation is kind of confusing because while the Torah has laws in it, the book itself is fundamentally a story about how God is creating new kinds of people who are fully able to love God and love others. And when Jesus taught about the Torah, he said that he was bringing that story to its fulfillment. So walk me through the story and how it's fulfilled. So the story begins with God creating humanity who rebels. And God chooses Abraham to bless all of the nations through his family, who end up in slavery down in Egypt, and so God rescues them. Then at Mount Sinai, God makes a covenant with Israel, like an agreement. And all of the laws that Moses gives to Israel are the terms of that agreement. They're like a constitution. And so some of the laws, they're about rituals and customs that set Israel apart from the nations. Other laws are about social justice or morality. And by following these, Israel would show the other nations what God is like. Okay, so the rest of the Torah is just the complete list of laws that Moses gives Israel? Mm, no, the rest of the Torah just continues the story. And the 613 commands are only a selection from that original constitution. And even these have been broken up and placed at strategic points within the story. Now pay attention because you'll see a really clear pattern. Moses gives the first laws to Israel. Yeah, don't worship other gods, don't make idols. 
And then right after that, there's a story of Israel breaking those very laws. Yeah, they worship the golden calf. And so Moses gives some more laws. And then you get more stories of rebellion. Some more laws, rebellion again, some more laws, more rebellion, and you start to see the point. Right, no matter how many laws, they're just going to continue to rebel. So at the conclusion of the Torah story, Moses gives this final speech to Israel as they prepare to go into their new home. And he tells them, you guys, I know that you're not going to follow all of God's laws. You've proven to me that you're incapable. And Moses says the problem is that their hearts are hard and that they're going to need new transformed hearts if they're ever going to truly follow God's law. And he was right. I mean, the story goes on to recount Israel's total failure. They go into the land, they break all the laws. Right. Now, the next section of books in the Jewish tradition are the 15 books of the prophets, and they reflect back on the story. For example, Ezekiel, he said that if Israel was ever going to obey the law, God's spirit would have to transform their hard hearts into soft hearts. And Jeremiah said that's when obedience to God's commands wouldn't feel like a duty, but they would be written deep in their hearts. And Isaiah, he promised a future leader, Israel's Messiah, who will lead all of the people in obedience to the law. Now, in Jewish tradition, all of these books together are called the prophets, even the historical books, because they're continuing the story told from the perspective of the prophets. Okay, so we have the law and the prophets, and they're telling one connected story about God's desire to bless the whole world through a people, Israel, who it turns out needs a new heart. Yes, and Jesus saw himself as continuing that story. So he agreed with the law and the prophets when he taught that it's out of the human heart that come the most ugly parts of human nature. It's like the default setting of our hearts is opposed to God's law. But Jesus also said that he came to solve that problem and in his words, to fulfill the law. So what does he mean there to fulfill the law? Well, first he said that the demand of all of the laws in the Torah could be fulfilled by what he called the great command, that we are to love God and to love others. So that seems pretty easy. I mean, we all want to love. Well, we think we want to love. But Jesus showed how love is far more demanding than we realize. So he quotes the law, do not murder. And he says, yes, not killing someone is a very loving thing to do. But then he also says that when you treat someone with disrespect or when you nurse resentment against them, you're also violating God's moral ideal because you're not treating that person with love. And so Jesus said true love ought to extend even to our own enemies. So even though this command seems very simple, Jesus showed how our hearts are not currently equipped to fulfill even this basic command of God to love others. And that's kind of a downer. But where Israel failed, Jesus brought this story to its fulfillment. As Israel's Messiah, he fully loved God and others. And he showed all of the nations what God is truly like. He did this through his acts of compassion and mercy and ultimately by loving his enemies even unto death. And after his resurrection, he told his followers that he would send God's spirit to transform their hearts so that they could follow him and fulfill the purpose of the law, to love God and to love their neighbor. So this fulfills the story of the law and the prophets, or in the words of the apostle Paul, the one who loves fulfills the law. Okay, so that was long. But I'm trying to help you understand more, and I thought using that whole video might uh, help that. Did that help a little bit? Understand a little bit more? Yeah. So that's from the Bible Project, and the two teachers there were John Collins, and uh, the main teacher is Tim Mackey. 
you know, Tim used to be on our staff here, and, you know, he left uh, 10 years ago. Can you believe that? But at any rate, a uh, great friend, Bible Project, if you're not familiar with that, and if you want to see that video again, just go uh, to YouTube channel, The Bible Project, and join uh, the other over 5 million subscribers to The Bible Project. And that will help you, and they have all kinds of things there. So part of the reason I wanted to show that, so that to some of you, I'm introducing a new tool for you, so you can... Go to the Bible Project. All right. So when Jesus talks about not abolishing the law, let's look back at 517 again. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Do you see now what he's talking about? He's talking about the, the intent of what the law is all about. God gave all kinds of commands so that his people would look different from all the other nations. Um, you know, tonight, uh, if you watch the game, uh, you can tell uh, one athlete from another because of the different uniforms they have on. So instead of giving uh, Israel uniforms, he gave them commands so that they would look different from others. So it's trimming the beard, uh, what kind of clothes you wear, uh, what you eat, what you drink. This is all like God's uniform. So they would actually look different and be distinct. But he also wanted them to be people of justice and mercy so that when people saw the Israelites, they go, oh, these people are about love because the main intent of everything that God gave to them was that they would become a loving and just uh, community. So let me kind of be clear here. So it's okay if you have a tattoo. It's okay if you wear clothing that's mixed. It's okay if you trim your beard. These are laws that God gave to Israel to make them set apart and distinct. But it's not okay if we're not loving people. That continues. God wants us to be loving, and he wants us to be just. How are you guys doing with that? That's the intent behind the law. Jesus makes that clear in the Sermon on the Mount. When he gets to the end of the body of the message, he says this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. Yeah, it's called the golden rule. But what people remember about the golden rule is do to others what you would have them do to you. They don't remember this first part, so in everything, which for Jesus is everything you just heard in the Sermon on the Mount, and nobody remembers this. This sums up the law and the prophets. These are bookends, 5, 17, and 7, 12. Here's a chart. The bookend, the first line in the body of the Sermon on the Mount. I've come not to come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. The last line in the body of the Sermon on the Mount. In everything do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. It's like a sandwich there. And that is where Jesus is going, and he's trying to drive that home over and over and over. Let's say this verse with me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Reading together. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophet. Read it again with me, out loud. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This is like saying, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Every one of the things that Jesus is going to say in the Sermon on the Mount can be summarized right here in this verse. He's going to say six times, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. He's trying to drive the deeper intent of the law, and this is the deeper intent of the law. Do to others what you would have them do to you, or love your neighbor as yourself. Let's look at the second bold claim uh, that Jesus makes in the Sermon on the Mount. The second bold claim is this. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Like what? So these are the, these are the most religious people. Pharisees and teachers of the law, they get a bad rap today. But back in those days, oh my gosh. They were like, if your daughter said she was going to marry a Pharisee, you'd go, awesome. If a teacher of the law moved into your neighborhood, you'd go, oh, man, this is so, we're blessed now. These were the highest people in society. The best translation I've seen of Pharisees and teachers of the law, I I found in the children's Bible. It goes like this. Pharisees and teachers of the law equals extra super holy people. These are extra super holy people. Oh my gosh. But the extra super holy people had a different kind of righteousness than Jesus had. Their idea of righteousness, righteousness to them was, next slide, extra super holy people, righteousness equals keeping the rules. Righteousness to the extra super holy people, got to keep the rules, got to keep the rules. To King Jesus, it's about building loving relationships. It's about doing unto others what you would have them do to you. Love your neighbor as yourself. How you guys doing with that? He's not telling the people on the hill, you better do better than those people or you're not getting in. He's telling them, you need to be better. My righteousness is not about keeping the rules. It's about loving people. Do to others what you'd have them do to you. This is a bold claim. And so what Jesus is going to do in the Sermon on the Mount is he is now going to go through six different illustrations of the law. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, It's like he's giving a new law. But really, his new law is really the divine intent of the original law. How are you guys doing with that? Do you follow? Tim's video help? He's really going to give them the intent behind the law. Now, the first one he's going to talk about is a a big one, and it's one about murder. Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, it's the new law, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in the danger of the fire of hell. How you guys doing? See, he's saying, yeah, yeah, murder? Right, right. Let me get below that. 
It's not really about murder. It's really about saying contemptuous things to people. That's what raka means. And I'm sure none of us ever use the term raka, but it's an Aramaic term of contempt. It's looking at someone and cutting them down. It's personal. It's cussing someone out. Yeah, that. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That. That will lead to away from God's kingdom just as much as murder will be. How you guys doing with that? What Jesus is trying to say to us is, he's going to do this six different times. We're going to go through that in this week. It's not just about this, it's about the divine intent behind it. Scott McKnight uh, writes this. The prohibition of murder is the surface expression of a deeper divine intent. God's people aren't to be angry at one another. If one masters one's anger, murder will never occur. How you guys doing? Follow that? It's about the deeper divine intent. God, Jesus knows God's intention when he gives the law. I mean, Jesus is God, okay? So he knows the intention. Man, it's, I just keep saying, how you doing? Because I just see question marks in everybody's minds right now. So let me try to illustrate this. What's today? What's today? You can participate. What's today? Sunday. And what's the date? February the 13th. Okay. <clears throat> Let's imagine that after I'm done today, I go home to my lovely wife, and we've been married almost 44 years. Yay. And she says this to me. Do you know what day tomorrow is? <laughs> Boom. Now, if I say, yes, tomorrow is Monday, eh, wrong answer, even though that's the letter of the law. How you guys doing? If I say tomorrow is February the 14th, eh, wrong answer. I don't understand the intent behind it because I know her really well. What she means by this question is, hey, buddy, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, and you better remember. That's the intent behind it. You guys follow me? And when Jesus says, yeah, it's not, not just about murder. It's about when you, when you cuss someone out. When you're personal in your accusation at something. That's what I'm talking about. That's not a part of God's kingdom. We're not to be that way. Well, what's the big deal about that? Well, when we, when, we, when we cut someone down, that's, uh, you know, people are made in the image of God. It's like desecrating the image of God. How are you guys doing with that? That's what his half-brother says a few years later. James writes, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Why? Because they're made in the image, the image and likeness of God. So it's not just about murder. Oh, you're not killing people. Big deal. You want to be part of his kingdom? It gets right to the heart, I 
this. Last week I talked about Van Gogh. Here is uh, one of my favorite uh, works of Van Gogh. It's called Starry Night. It's in New York City. Let's say that I was in the museum in New York City where this hangs, and I walked up to the Van Gogh, and I spit on it. What would happen to me? That's right. I would be arrested. Why would I be arrested? It's just canvas and some ink. No. It's a work of art. And any human being that you know is more valuable than Starry Night because they've been made in the image of God. A couple lessons for our lives. Obeying this <laughs> is really, really hard. Super hard to obey. Especially when we live in a world where Cutting other people down uh, gets you more likes on your site. Cutting other people down gets you elected to a political office. And this is on the right or the left. Cutting other people down gets more ratings for your show. It's hard to do this because we live in a world where our models are constantly cutting other people down. But if we are a part of the kingdom of heaven... We follow King Jesus. Is that right? And we don't do like other people do. We're different from other people because we obey the king. How you guys doing with that? Second, anger is not a sin. So we just had a whole message about this like a few weeks ago. So uh, Pastor Charles did a great message, anger's not a sin, God gets angry, we get angry. There's nothing wrong with Jesus' anger when he gets angry. When God and Jesus get angry, they get angry at things that are unjust. And their anger leads to reform. When we get angry at things that are unjust, like say, molesting a child, that should make us angry. And our anger should lead to reforms and changing. There's all kinds of laws that we go, That's, that should make us angry. There's such a thing as justified anger, and it should lead to reform. It's good anger. The anger that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount is not about a principle of justice. It's about persons being personal and looking at an image bearer and cutting them down. Yeah. Not my people, Jesus says. That's not what we're about. We're different. In fact, not only do we not do that, but when, when, we, when we see that that kind of anger is happening, we, we should be the kind of people who, we move towards reconciliation. We, we move right to correcting that because we want to do to others <laughs> as we would want them to do to us. So he continues. Verse 23. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, 
leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversaries taking you to court. Do it while you're still on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. I'll tell you, there's, there's a whole series that we could do just on those verses right there about reconciliation. What Jesus is saying is this relationship, this, this horizontal relationship with other image bearers, it's really, you think you can have a relationship that's vertical with Yahweh? You've got to get this relationship right here. Because if you don't get this relationship right, what's the point of this? What's the point of this? So if you're ready to go offer your gift, you remember something. Oh, man, I need to do something about that. Because it's not just about murder, he's saying. Now, the king says it's about, it's about anger. So this is really hard, isn't it? This is hard. Anger, our tongues, it's messy. This is complex. It's very difficult. And here's the story. Years and years ago, after my wife and I had been married for about 10 years, and we've been married for 44, so there you go. We, um, we were in her dad's house, and her mom died from alcoholism when she's 14. He married another woman, and uh, we were in his, her dad's house, and he was living with his wife, Sunshine's stepmom. And uh, let's just say, and they're both, uh, they both passed away, just to honor their memory, uh, they were hard to get along with. Uh, they didn't agree with us about our views about God. They didn't agree with us about our views about alcohol. They didn't agree with us about all kinds of different things. And every visit was a difficult visit. Uh, if you understand dealing with family sometimes, it can, be, it can be hard doing Christmas and Thanksgiving. Somebody shake their head and go, yeah, I understand that. And we were in a situation where um, we lost our temper. And we, we came after them with our words. And we hurt them with our words. And we insulted them. And we uh, left their home that night, and we just, we knew instantly that we had done the wrong thing. And uh, it wasn't good in our car. We were just quiet and like, oh my gosh, jeez. And we didn't need a Bible study or anything. We just kind of knew. The Spirit of God lives in us. We, just, we, knew, we, we knew we had blown it. And so in order to get right with God, we had to the next day go back to their house. We said goodbye to them like we were leaving. And yet the next day we changed our plans and we went back to their house. And our purpose was to go back and to apologize. And uh, let me just stop right here. So you guys, listen, this is Pastor 101, okay? Most of the time when we blow it, someone just wants us to come and admit that we were wrong, pretty much it. And that's not something we see modeled today either, right? 
where somebody says, hey, you know, I was wrong yesterday. That's what people want to see. Mostly, that, that's 90% of, of, of doing the work of reconciliation. I was, wrong. I was wrong. When I said that, I knew I hurt you. I shouldn't have said it, and I was wrong. Well, I said it because you said this and this. No, 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 no. Don't go there. To say what I did, we're only responsible for what we say and do and think, not for what other people say, do, and think. And what we had said was wrong, and it was hurtful. So we went back and apologized. And we thought that would be moving us towards a better relationship with them. But when we apologized, it just blew up. And they got more angry at us and said more words to put us in our place. Now, here's why I'm telling you that story. We get the idea that if we follow Jesus, life's going to be easy and everything's going to work out fine. That's not true, you guys. Read the Bible. It's going to rain. (laughs) We're not to apologize and we're not to do the right thing because, oh, that's what works. That's the way the world thinks, you guys. We don't do things because it works. We do the right thing because we're following King Jesus. He says it. That's enough. We obey. Do we have more of the kingdom of the world in us? Or are we about the kingdom of heaven? And we do to others what we want them to do to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit, the way in which he works through your word. And I, I just know, Father, the way he's working right now in hearts and minds of people that are watching online and watching in different sites and venues, watching in this room, because the word has gone out and the spirit is working and he's calling to our attention some things that we have said that we have hurt people with our words we pray Father that you would help us to be about the kingdom of heaven that we would be obedient to King Jesus because we would all rather live in a world that's governed by King Jesus we would all rather live in a world where people love their neighbor as uh, themselves and we do to others what we would have them. That's the more attractive world. Help us, Father, by the power of the Spirit to build that world here with the power of your Spirit by approaching someone and saying, you know what, I got to say what I said was wrong. I apologize. Sometimes that works, but sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't matter. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be obedient to the King. We pray this in Christ's name. Truly for the sake of his reputation.
and all God's people said.